This morning I want to read to you from 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're going to read the story of a man who we seem to be talking a lot about lately, unintentionally, but it just kind of happens that way, and that's King David. And King David was, well, he was a, a special guy. God really used his life, but he also had a lot of problems. He had a lot of failings and flaws and situations that came up, and he was always on the run. The thing that's interesting about David's life, and that's what's going to make this story even more interesting and put it in perspective that we're going to read today, is that David was a person who faced trouble after trouble. That was his life. That was one thing after another. When he was called to be king, he was on, his, on the run. His life was in danger from King Saul. And now, he's even, even after this chapter, there's going to come great brokenness. He's about to take the throne as he's been anointed king, and he's truly about to take the throne this time. But even afterwards, he would go. There would be problems within his family. Some of that would be because of his own failings and mistakes. But some of that would be his own sons would even try to betray him. But David still sought after the Lord and tried to pursue God in all of this. And even in his greatest failing, he repented and came to the Lord. And so today we're going to read this story that happens. The Bible talks tells us about the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Lord. And this was this piece of furniture, really, that was a symbol of God's presence with the people. And this the symbol of God's presence had been taken away by the Philistines. And now they were on the process of trying to get it back to the people of Israel. And now we're going to read here where the story is. The Ark of the Covenant is beginning to enter into the city of David where the people are gathered together and we see this kind of festival begin to happen. And so we're going to read 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12. It was told King David, the Lord blessed the household of Eb. Obed and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed to the city of David with rejoicing. Now I want you to notice here the progression of how things are beginning to take place as David is bringing the ark back to the pres or to the people of Israel to the city of David that now we see that there is rejoicing accompany this. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. And you see here that David didn't even make it that far before he started to worship the Lord with the sacrifice. So David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting, with the sound of a trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place, and inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and David offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being before the Lord. We see that David here is beginning to publicly demonstrate his joy that the ark of the Lord is among the people. And what's amazing about this story is that David is king. He's seen before all the people. He is the number one celebrity of his time, if you will. All the attention is being put upon him. But yet David unashamedly worships the Lord by dancing before the Lord. It even says that the people, as David danced, that they began to shout and they began to play their trumpets. And they began to rejoice as well as David began to rejoice. And we see this public demonstration 
But as this was happening, of course, there was one, Michal, who saw all of this. And as, he, as she saw David worship, the Bible says that she despised him in her heart. And it's, the Bible is careful to give us a double perspective of David's dancing. The Bible tells us the narrative of David dancing. But then we also see the perspective of Michal looking at David and seeing him dancing. And we see that this truly happened in a public spectacle that David was worshiping the Lord, celebrating God, honoring him. And the Bible just doesn't say he danced, but that he danced with all of his might. With everything that's in him, he worshiped the Lord, he honored God. And this morning, we see here that David was in his heart resolving to worship. And this is what I want to talk to you about today, is resolve to worship. David had made up in his mind with all of the other people, and he had got it down into his heart and made up his soul with all of his might that he was going to worship God. He was going to worship God because the ark came into the presence of the city of David. But we see that not only this, but the Psalms, 150 chapters, many of them David wrote, record songs of worship to the Lord over and over again. Many of them while David was going through trouble. And what's amazing to me about the Psalms is those are songs of worship that were recorded, most of them, in difficult times. Most of them were recorded in times of trouble. The Bible tells us as you read the Psalms over 20 times, they talk about the people shouted. Many other times it talks about the people danced and rejoiced. Several times it says that the people lifted their hands. And we see that really the book of Psalms is a book of worship. But more than that, if you skim through the text of the Bible, you'll see that the people who worshiped God is that they worshiped God usually, not when everything was going well. They worshiped God in the middle of their trouble. They worshiped God in the middle of their trial. They worshiped God when everything seemed to be a little bit uncertain. All of that to say that sometimes, and a lot of the times, you and I, we have a tendency to worship God based upon circumstance. It's called circumstantial worship. We tend to worship God if everything's going good. We tend to worship God when the situation is in our favor. But there is a thing in Scripture that shows us here that we have to have a resolve to worship. The type of resolve that says David worshiped the Lord publicly didn't matter what anybody thought. He was just going to worship God no matter what. And all of us here today, God is calling us to have a resolve to worship. And what do I mean by that? Resolve is this word that means a sense of confidence, steadfastness, assuredness. It's this type of sense that I am planted, I am determined to worship, that I have made up my mind, I am going to worship. And all of us here today, we've been called to worship. And I want to tell you a little bit more about worship than just what we do here on Sunday morning through song. Some one writer said it this way, that worship does not involve merely enjoying the rhythm of a song, although, although it can help, or experiencing an emotional feeling or comprehending some uh, lyrics of a song, helpful as all of these may be for inviting our attention to God. Worship isn't summed up by just repeating some phrase over and over again. And when the psalmist declared and he used the words, hallelujah, hallelujah was a word that indicated it's time to worship. It's a call to worship. It's a, it's a word that indicated now is the time to praise the Lord. More than a word, 
that meant praise the Lord. It was more of a stance, it was more of a, a command that meant now, let's come worship. Now, hallelujah, everybody come to worship the Lord. This is the sense that the Bible invokes when it uses the word hallelujah. In the sense that all of us have times in our lives where we are called to worship. Where God is calling us, you and I, that doesn't matter the situation or what we're going through, God calls us to worship God. And the amazing thing about this word is it seems to have remains, keeps its translation throughout different languages to indicate that no matter what background you have, no matter what nationality, culture, or tribe, all of us share the same call. And the call is to worship God, to worship the Lord, to honor Him. But more than all of this is that I want to talk to you a little bit about this resolve to worship. You know, the appropriately, this year, a lot of times this year, and it still is the, the effects of this year are still going on, and it has affected us all in many different ways. Some of us, it weighs on us greater than others, but we all have our different stories and backgrounds. But sometimes what happens is, is we go through difficult seasons in life, and our season and our times of worship begin to wane. And it's because we kind of assume and associate worship with our emotions sometimes. And God is a very emotional being and God gave us our emotions. But worship does not change based upon how we feel. Worship is given based upon faith and who God is. So when we gather on Sunday mornings and you can know somebody is going through a terrible time in their life, but somehow they're lifting up their hands and worshiping God and you think, I don't know how they're doing that. That's because worship isn't based on their circumstance. Worship is based on who God is, which is our first point here today. Resolve to worship because of who God is. We worship not because everything in my life is great or everything's wonderful, all my bills are paid, everything's good, although that's a reason to thank God in and of itself. We worship God because God is good. Because God is faithful. Because God sent his son for you and I. And if he never did anything else for us, that would have been way more than enough. We worship God because of who he is. When you resolve to worship God because of who he is, you will develop a lifestyle of worship that is more consistent. Because you know it's true. Our lives are like roller coasters. It's up one season and down another. And if you will develop a resolve to worship because of who God is, worship will be more a part of our lives on a daily basis, every day. When we realize that God is wonderful and he's so good and amazing in all of his ways, we worship him because of that fact. It doesn't matter if you have a bad day tomorrow. You can still worship him because he's good and faithful in all of his ways. One writer said it this way, that without worship, we may remember what God is like on paper, but we will not experience it as fully as we can in relationship with him. God yearns for our worship both because we reveal our love for him in this way and because he knows we need to worship him. You know, there is this sense, and we see in the Bible, this sense that God's presence is with us. We see the sense that Jesus spoke in John 14, that he wasn't going to leave us as orphans, but he was going to send his spirit who would dwell in us, the Bible says, who would be with us presently. Even Jesus gave it over and over again. I'm not going to leave you. I will be with you always, even unto the end. The thing about worship is, is that we have to realize is that God is present now. 
I remember, I don't know how I developed this theology when I was young, but somehow I had got the idea that I had to kind of work up to get into God's presence. I had to go through these so many hoops. If I, if I just prayed long enough or I did this long enough, that I would be in the sense of God's presence. But as I began to read scripture, I realized whoever taught me that or wherever I picked that up from, that's not biblical. The Bible says that the Spirit is with us even now. So God's presence is here even among us, dwelling in us, the Bible says. So when you and I resolve to worship because of who God is, we are encountering God's presence in the moment right now in worship. And that's what God wants more than anything. That's why God is calling us to worship, because God wants to know you, and it's good for us to know God. And when you resolve to worship God because of who he is, you will learn to worship him more faithfully, more diligently, because it's not based upon anything that's happening in your life. It's all based upon his attributes and his goodness. Wouldn't it be something if we worship God because of the things that were happening in our lives and how wonderful things were going? If that was the case, most of us would never have an opportunity to worship God. But simply we worship God because of who he is, because he's faithful, because he's good, because he's done things for us over and over and over again. You worship him. This is why we gather on Sunday mornings. It's our opportunity, and it's the revelation of the church that we've been called to worship. Every person in this room called to worship. And we worship God because of who he is, and we develop this pattern in our lives and this relationship because our resolve to worship God because of who he is is practiced now for eternity. You and I, we're going to spend eternity worshiping God because of who he is, not because of how great our situation is. And so if we would just learn now, we'll be getting in the rhythm of heaven when all the elders and all the angels and all the saints worship God just because he's there, just because he's present, just because he's wonderful, they worship him. And if you and I would develop that now, that is the language of heaven that says, I will worship God because he is worthy. Worthy is the lamb is the language of heaven. Holy, holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The language of heaven is, God, I'm going to worship you because everything's great in my life. No, the language of heaven is, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Great is he and high and lifted up is the Lord. And you and I, let's resolve to worship because of who God is. And in that, we will encounter God in worship. The second thing we see here in David's life. As he began to dance before the Lord, this is one of the things I, that is always interesting to me about this text, is that we get a perspective of somebody who despised his worship. You see Michal here, and she looked down on David and didn't even just look down on him. Something must have been really bitter inside of her because the Bible says she despised him in her heart. She really looked down on that fact. And we see here that David resolved to worship despite what people may think. I remember when I first came into the church and, and it was kind of new to me in a, in a way and I was learning some things. And I remember just sometimes I felt this kind of like unction, like I ought to lift my hands and worship God. And as I did that, there, there would be this little lingering thought in my mind. Uh-oh, what are people thinking about you right now? You look like an extremist. You look like a Christian freak. It's something, whatever it might come to mind. But I just began to worship. I realized that lifting our hands is a biblical call for you and I to publicly worship God. 
The Bible shows us in Nehemiah that as Ezra, he read the law and he blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen and Amen. And they lifted up their hands and they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Other texts tell us that the people says that they lifted their hands as they lifted their hearts to the Lord. Other texts in the New Testament says, I admonish men everywhere to lift up holy hands. And we see that lifting up hands is a biblical call to worship. Why we lift up our hands and why God uses that to worship Him, that's still kind of unknown. But the fact is, is that when you and I lift up our hands in worship, it is a public response of our worship to God. And what David did before the, as he danced before the Lord, as he rejoiced and leaped, it was a public way of demonstrating his worship to God. And when you and I worship before the Lord, it has the same effect as we lift our hands as it did with David and the people around him. As David danced, as David rejoiced, the Bible says that the people shouted and the people blowed their trumpets and the people rejoiced. And when you and I resolve to worship God because of who he is and despite what people may think we develop this unashamed worship and love for God because he is wonderful because he is great and it's a reflection of our love for the Lord despite David and despite his problems that he had the Bible says that he was a man after God's heart and really we see more than anything that David loved the Lord with all of his heart that he loved God with everything that was in him you see, resolving to worship, despite what people may think, is a reflection of our love for the Lord. When you love God, and when you want to just give Him all the glory and all the honor, it doesn't really matter what people think. When you truly want to honor God with your life, you will lift up your hands because you love Him more than anything in the world. You will honor Him. You will take time at work. You will take time or as you're driving down the road and you'll worship Him, not because it's the right moment or the right time, but because you love God and you want to reflect that love back on Him as you worship. It's a resolve to worship. It's like David had, and he did it with all of his might. As the Bible tells us, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. It's a reflection of our love for God. And sometimes we might lift our hands. Sometimes we might sing. Sometimes we might write it down. Sometimes we might take a long walk and just tell God how great and wonderful He is. But we cannot deny the fact that worship is a part of who we are as God's people. God has called us to worship Him. And when you resolve to worship what people, despite what people may think, you develop this type of attitude like David. I'm just going to rejoice in God because He's wonderful. I'm not ashamed to worship the Lord. I'm not ashamed to bless Him and honor Him and give Him all the praise. It's resolving to worship despite what people may think. The third thing we see here is you look at David's life, as we said a few moments ago, is that David was a man who went through a lot of troubles, went through a lot of trials in his life, went through a lot of situations. Sound familiar? Sound like maybe your own life? But David developed this attitude, is that he learned to resolve to worship because God is greater than trouble. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry and of having plenty and of being in need. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime the, word, the Bible uses a word like the secret, I want to know the secret. God, what's the secret? What's the secret of knowing? What's the secret of being content in all things? What's the secret that Paul's talking about here? That I know what it is to have little. I know what it is to have a lot. I know how what it is to be fed and not have anything. And I've learned the secret of it all. And the secret is this. He developed and he learned and he says it in the next verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, the resolve to worship because God is greater than trouble is the type of resolve that you develop when you learn to be content in all things. Not because you're content in your situation, not because you're content because things are bad, but you're content and because of who God is. You're content because God is wonderful, God is great, and God is able to make a way. And that's what Paul was talking about as he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I've been shipwrecked, I've been abandoned, I've been persecuted, I've been beaten all of these things but nonetheless I have learned I can do all things through him who strengthens me why because worship is not circumstantial worship is because God is greater than any trouble and God deserves glory more than our situation God deserves praise more than our trouble that we're going through Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 61 he said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me watch this he said, when the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, it's to provide for those who mourn in Zion. It's to give them, watch what he does here, a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. Notice here that when the Spirit of the Lord is present, what might seem like mourning, what might seem like trouble, what might seem like weariness, he says, I've turned it into a garment of praise. It's like a garland. It's celebration. It's an oil of gladness upon our life. And this is the thing about worship, is worship helps our eyes rise above the mourning, the troubles, and the trials of life and cause us to cast our eyes upon the one who has conquered it all and put it under his feet, the one who promises to wipe away every tear from our eyes. The secret to trouble is this, is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I've learned to be content in sickness and in health in riches and in poor, because God is great, because God is wonderful, and he developed a resolve to worship. We have some musicians to come. Resolving to worship is this type of thing that you and I have to develop in our lives. It says, I'm just going to love God. And the way I'm going to love God is it might be through a song I might show him. Listen, any great relationship in our lives, whether it's a family member, it's a, a, a child, a spouse, you develop that relationship and you, you assure that other person by expressing your love to them. And you tell them, maybe it's by buying and providing for them or acts of love or through gifts, whatever it may be. You see the signs of love by the way we care for one another. And that's what worship is. is worship is our way of expressing our love to God. And God wants us to just have a resolve to worship because a lot of times our feelings change our worship. Our troubles change our worship. Our situations change our worship. How many times there have been, 
Oh, I just can recall them now driving down the road and there would have been a trouble in my life and in my mind I had it made up and that I was just, just going to be quiet. I'm not going to say anything, Lord. I'm just going to drive here in silence like I was mad at the Lord or something. And you know how many times God just so tenderly and so gently would just in the middle of those seasons just say, why? Just come put your eyes upon me again. Get your eyes off of that situation and realize that I can take care of that. As we talked this last Wednesday in prayer, this verse that's been just, it has really shaken me. Romans chapter 8 that said that if God was willing to give us his son, will he not take care of everything else? If God was willing to give up the one who was most precious to us, will he not take care of everything else? So instead of groaning and complaining and worrying about the situation and going through and putting on this garment of heaviness. Maybe this morning you want to just lay that off and exchange it for a garment of praise that says, I'm going to resolve to worship God. I'm going to worship God like Daniel, even though he knew his life was in danger, he resolved to worship. Even like the disciples, when they knew it was going to cost them prison time, persecution, they resolved to worship. They resolved because they realized that there is nothing like God. There is no one who compares to Him. There is nothing better in life than God and God alone. They resolved to worship. Will you stand with me this morning? Revelation chapter 3 gives us a call to worship today. And Jesus, watch this, He's speaking to the church and He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will eat with him and he with me. The amazing thing about that scripture is God's not talking to the unbeliever. He's knocking on the door of the church, just waiting there. Can you imagine that? There's a door in your home and Jesus is just standing on the other side of it, waiting for you to open it, waiting for you to make space in your life for him. And this is what worship does, is it allows us the opportunity to encounter God's presence right now. Not tomorrow, not in a few minutes, right now, in this moment. God, I want you. And Jesus promises that he will come through that door as we call to him. Would you close your eyes with me this morning as the choir comes? Oh, I want to pray for you today. That God would give you a spirit of worship. A resolve to worship. Oh, the type of resolve that maybe this week while you're doing the dishes, you just say, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times and His praise will be continually on my lips. The type of worship that says, God, uh, as you're driving down the road and you're in tears about your problem, just says, but God, I'm going to worship you. You're so good. You're so wonderful. And this morning, I just want to encourage you today to worship the Lord. Just express your love to Him. Maybe you lift your hands. Maybe you kneel at your seat. Maybe you come to the front and you kneel at this altar. Maybe you just lift your voice to Him in a song. Whatever it may be, can you just come worship the Lord? Maybe you have to come to Him and call to Him in repentance. Lord, I'm sorry, like David, but come and worship. The call to worship is there. And this morning we're going to sing this song. I want you to sing it with me this morning with from your heart. We love you, Jesus, it says. We love you, Jesus. And with your heart, would you just sing it out loud to the Lord, lifting your voice as we sing? Father, we thank you today, this morning.
we pray today, God, you would help us to have a resolve to worship you. God, maybe we're going to do like David and have public times of just blessing you. But Lord, we want to worship you today. God, give us a fresh love for you. Give us a fresh spirit of hunger for you, Lord. God, we thank you today, Jesus. We adore you. Let's worship him this morning. All together, let's sing.